0: Welcome to The Founder's Mind, a podcast powered by the Guitar Group. This is your host, Adam Mutchler. On this episode, we have David Schnurman, founder and CEO of LawLine and author of The Fast Forward Mindset. Listen in as David shares his experience in growing an online education platform for lawyers, running marathons, what led him to write his book, The Fast Forward Mindset, and much more. Hey, David, welcome to The Founder's Mind. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to dive into the conversation and learn about you and LawLine and I think a couple more things that you're up to. Let's do it. Uh, I know you and I had an initial conversation, but it would be great to hear in your words, uh, not mine, uh, who you are, what you're up to, what you're working on.
1: Sure. So I am somebody who's obsessed with lifelong learning. I call it, that's short for self-help addict. And I just love taking in information. And when I get that information, trying to organize it in a way that's easy for other people to understand and then sharing it. And so right now, like that, this podcast is one form of hopefully I'll be able to take some things that I've learned over the past 11 years in entrepreneurship and uh-huh. all 41 years of life to digest it down to some, some nuggets that, you know, will relate to some people. I'm the CEO of Lawline. We are the largest provider of online continuing legal legal education for attorneys. There's a million attorneys in the country. It's mandatory for them to take courses to keep up with the law. We make it super easy. It, we've been called like the Audible for law because so we have an app that's just like Audible, and that's just nice. makes you understand it. I'm also the president of Entrepreneurs Organization in New York. There's 13,000 members worldwide. Again, that goes back to my philosophy of wanting to, to help other entrepreneurs and inspire them and to learn. I'm a big believer teaching is the best form of learning. Hmm. In order to communicate something effectively, you need to know it pretty well. And <laughs> that's why even just talking on podcasts, it really is, as you know, just great practice for understanding your messaging. And then finally, I am the author of an upcoming book called The Fast Forward Mindset. And it was built out of my own um, trials and tribulations of figuring out once I've had some success, I hit a comfort zone and was figuring out how to once again, get out of that comfort zone, not just once, but over and over again. And more importantly, stay there longer. But the, the key about the book was it wasn't just about getting out of the comfort zone for, for doing sake. It was about the bigger purpose of it. And for me, and I think for many people, it's about having a fast forwarding your impact on the world around you. And to me, that is the purpose in my mind of getting out of my comfort zone because what I would hate in 20 or 30 years is to look back and have regret not about what I didn't achieve but what I didn't try to accomplish in terms of my impact.
0: I love that and and we talked about that a bit before so I'm sure we'll dive into that cool. a little bit in this conversation. I think you're doing a lot. <laughs> um, Lawline, you've been doing, I mean, just based on LinkedIn, you know, for a little over a decade. So you're, 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 you're deep into it. Uh,
1: Yeah. We, I started it in law school. I had actually started a TV show for entrepreneurs. That was before podcasting really existed. I had a public access TV show and I was interviewing entrepreneurs and I realized I can actually take that camera and put it on attorneys and turn those into courses. And so that's, it was in law school where I was able to transform the, the interviews for entrepreneurs to, courses for lawyers. And we've been really lucky to to build a free company.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's amazing what happens when you start, you start with something and you stick with it. You know, a lot of, you know, talk about a little bit of luck, but also there's an element of perseverance and, and just sticking with things.
1: One thing that's so amazing, I'm sure you can relate to it, man. Like when I look back at the past 11 years, it's sort of like, if you knew everything now that you knew then would you've gone through it again, of course the answer is yes, but it's like, <laughs> that. it's like knowing how much time and energy you put into building your company and your team and your culture. But a lot of the book that is about not the 90% where we're confident and things are great. The book is actually about that 10% of the time where we lack confidence, we lack focus, we're concerned about what others think of us. We're like, we're down on ourselves. And that's where I found myself a lot, actually. Through, throughout the success of Lawline, I was down on myself more than I was, uh, felt good about myself. And, and, and a lot of that had to do with, the, with my mindset. And that's where the, the book came out of, how to stop feeling that way moving forward and actually For sure. to have more of an impact.
0: There's a, that's, I think that's a really interesting sort of uh, perspective and, and something that you're exploring in the book, You know, I guess the forthcoming book, Um, It's fun to talk like you see these people on TV shows in my book, in my
1: book. I feel like one of those people.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey man. I mean, I think uh, when you, when you've been doing something, you know, they talk about doing something for 10 years, literally, you know, or 10,000 hours, you know, building this expertise or, or building a body of knowledge um, that really has given you a platform to think about certain things.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, how did you navigate some of those, those moments, you know, where you're doubting yourself and where you, you you hit at least one wall, if not a hundred.
1: Yeah. So the book, you know, the original focus of the book was how to break through your walls. And what I realized was this key, and so the three core elements that I looked at of the areas where I had challenges in the past 11 years was number one, taking action a lot of times i didn't have confidence in myself or my decisions and a lot of the times there there is three key people in my life that's helped me take more action and have more confidence in confidence in myself number one is my father he's been a mentor to me from day one he's a really he came from nothing and built you know the rags to riches story and he's been ever since the past 11 years i've realized what a great resource he's been and he's always been with me when I'm in my low moments. And like, for example, there's times where I've just been stuck in making a big decision, and he would just be there to tell me, Dave, it doesn't matter what decision you make, because in 50 years, it's not gonna mean anything. Mm-hmm. But if you don't make a decision, it's gonna happen. So it's better to make the wrong decision, or whatever you quote unquote is wrong, than no decision at all. And then I've also, I've had two key coaches that have helped me through it and and coaches have been very important in my life on uh, both elements. One was a personal, uh, executive coach. Her name is Kim Addis, of frame of mind coaching, and she helped me become more fearless. So we can talk about that and, and, and overcome fear. So that's the second part of it. And then a third coach, his name is Mark Green from performance dynamics. He he coached based on the scaling up uh, book and other areas. And he helped me find my focus, not only for myself, but for my business. And so the book is about how to take action, nip fear in the bud, and find your focus. And it came from those three mentors in my life.
0: That's great. Surrounding yourself with that network. And people talk about that a lot. And there's bigger, there's more conversations now. You know, what's that emotional network that you have? Because grinding and building and doing something that most people will tell you can't be done or, you shouldn't do, you know, and I'm sure in the beginning, you know, there's a conversation, Hey, David, you have a law degree. Why aren't you going into law? Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's an interesting poll. Well, so
1: it's interesting because for five years I worked in sales before I went to law school mm-hmm. and I was going from sales job to sales job. And it was after nine 11, actually, that I was working at this company and I lived in the city and I, the whole experience. And I lived right near the armory where they put all the missing photos up of the 3,000 people who didn't come back. Mm. Every day I remember to walk through there. and I just remember thinking to myself like, you know life is so precious and life is short. And I literally quit my job within a few weeks of that um, and didn't have another job to go back to because I was just not happy there. and became a real estate broker. And when I was a real estate broker, I really enjoyed studying for an exam. And I enjoyed that process. I should say my dad is a personal injury attorney. And all he ever wanted me to be was an attorney. So Of course, it was the last thing I ever wanted to be. Yeah, Uh, I'm sure you can relate to that from your experience. And somehow you end up – I ended up on my own there. So, yeah, it was a pretty big deal when I decided to, like, become more of an entrepreneur than actually practice law. Luckily, I started doing this my third year of law school. And I already had success – before I graduated, I knew that was part of, it. I knew I needed to have some sort of success or it'd be very hard for me not to get a job.
0: For sure. I think that's, 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 it's pretty incredible experience. Obviously out of a lot of tragedy and angst, you know, at a societal and global level with 9-11, but this reminder on your way to work constantly of the fragility.
1: And let me be, let me be open and transparent too. I was very blessed and lucky that my dad had, put money aside for me for school. So I didn't, I don't have the debt that most people have when they graduate from college. And, law sure. and so I I, 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 I appreciate that. And I recognize that. And I had a little bit more freedom to take a little bit more risk than somebody who had a lot more debt to come out of the school. So even though I built it all, I was able to start, you know, a couple steps ahead, which, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people have different advantages in life. Yeah. But I do recognize that, Potentially, if I didn't have that advantage, I might not be here today in the position that I'm in, in this form.
0: Yeah. There's, so so while, you, while you're talking about your dad and sort of his background, you know, it, it jogged my, my memory on a, a conversation we had before. The name Lawline yeah. was in the family.
1: Yeah. So Lawline is my dad's idea. He started a TV show in the 80s. And in nineteen, and it was, this is was on public access. Yeah, this is bef- this is literally before cable really existed, and he did it because he thought it would. It was, he was like the first, you know, podcaster you know, or YouTube that uh-huh. didn't exist. And then in 1999, he had the idea of taking the TV show and turning it into an education company. And within a year of doing, he, so he did that. He put all his energy into it within a year of doing that, it really didn't work out. And he went back to practicing law. And for six years, he didn't really do anything with it. And when I was in law school, I realized when I was doing these interviews, I was like, you know what? My dad was just ahead of his time. And I think I can do it better and cheaper and more effective. And if it doesn't work, then I'll just move on. So I was was able to take the idea that he had tried but didn't work out, but never fully just threw away because some of the – yeah, about twelve courses that still existed. So I, I said, as soon as I started doing this in two thousand six, I said, "We've been around since nineteen ninety nine doing this,", this <laughs> and I, and I, no question that that helped me really get a head start.
0: Yeah, I think that that's an interesting um, that's an interesting legacy, you know, and, and sort of leveraging leveraging that legacy even with the gaps. Uh, it's something actually in my work. The, the Kadar Group, the, the company I'm a partner of with the leadership development work I do, was started by my mom and is still you know run by her. And it's been in business for a very long time. Now, it's been mostly her and a network of people. Um, but it's given me a very big platform to take what she's done and leverage that legacy and grow that legacy. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a great thing. Even though it might be a very different version of itself than it has been over the last 20 years.
1: Yeah. And of course the challenge as uh, a son of somebody successful in being in the same industry is, you, you know, you also want to make your own mark. You want to make sure people know that this is, this is not just an extension of them, <laughs> I'm my own person, but when you have confidence in yourself and it doesn't necessarily matter in, early on for years, everyone just assumed I was working for my dad and, and doing, you know, just doing what he as an extension of him and it was his success and it, it, i mean it really didn't bother me because i was just a compliment to what i was able to to build with it sure and now it's just you know my sister has been working with with me for 10 years and it's like such a blessing that's awesome to to work together and you know it we do we're doing some real, we're doing we're doing some things that are more exciting now than they were 10 years ago so it's it's great to feel like a startup culture even though it's 11 years
0: old yeah yeah no absolutely i mean there's also that there's that lean nimbleness that lives in startups and people sort of reserve for that startup experience but can exist in organizations uh even ones that have been around for a decade um depending on how
1: we have suffered though yeah (laughs) we have you ever see the movie the matrix yeah of course okay well i like to say we're like on the fourth or fifth version of the matrix yeah so over 11 years, maybe there's only a handful of people who have been here. Like, We have our core team has been here set six plus years. Yeah. But nobody has been here except my sister, you know, 10 years ago. And I like to say we're in the third or fourth version of nature. Matrix. So every, we're doing a, believe it or not, we're repeating a lot of the things that we did in the first or second version of the Matrix, except now we're just much more successful at it. But many times people here think it's the first time we're attempting <laughs> that idea. I'm like, well, no, but it's cool.
0: Now we've been doing this for a minute. Um, I think that brings a really great segue. What, what, how did it come up? This idea you're in law school and you know, that law lines is around, right? What was Uh, this? What was, what was the inflection point or tipping point where you said, you know what? I'm going to try and do something with this. Hi all quick break to tell you about the founders mind. Plus it's all the interviews of guests you love. Plus bonus episodes with additional stories and anecdotes Shoutouts in future episodes of Founding Funders, that could be you, and opportunities to get some cool swag from the show. You can upgrade by following the link in the show notes or go to thefoundersmind.com backslash plus. Thanks for following along. Back to the show.
1: I had two really bad experiences at law firms uh, when I was working in law school. One, I actually got thrown out of a lawyer's office and I realized being a lawyer was actually the same as being a salesperson. If you want to be successful, except you also have to do the legal work. And I just had this like inflection point Like I wanted to control my own environment. And I also then always been obsessed with entrepreneurship. And so during this whole process of controlling and doing the cameras and interviewing, I was de- The whole reason I started the TV show was I was trying to start a business within one year mm-hmm. of, before I graduated law school. So I was obsessed with finding a way to start a business. Hmm. And I saw that there was this opportunity that my dad – oh, by the way, my dad's website was still there. It was still making about $1,000 a month, maybe $2,000 a month at most, depending on the month. So I said, if, if it can make any money with nobody paying attention to it, what if I just put half of my time in? I got to be able to at least at least double that. <laughs> so that, that was really what, what pushed me to see it. Can I at least more, make more than $2,000 a month? You know, and see if I can do that. And within I think four months of doing it full time, we, we I got it up to ten thousand uh, dollars in the fourth. month. So I was like, okay, well I'm on to something here.
0: Yeah, and ten thousand dollars in New York back then was a lot more than it is now.
1: Well, especially I was the only employee.
0: Yeah, I, I took I took my wife out to
1: Grandma street Tavern. It was the nicest restaurant in the city, and I, it was like a you know five hundred dollar meal. And I just remember thinking, and I said to her, I'm like, it can't get any better than
0: this. <laughs> of
1: course, we were just getting started, but that's how I felt.
0: Yeah, yeah. At that moment, it hasn't been better than that, maybe.
1: <laughs> no, but it was just like I was on top of the world uh, at that moment.
0: What? Um, that's great, and I think you know that that idea that with very little maintenance or attention, it was already doing something, uh, and giving you know you had you also had that sort of self-imposed deadline, like within a year, what can I do, and within four months, you had a clearly you had some serious traction.
1: And it also fit some of my core um, core values, which is it, does, it had the learning component. Yeah, and it had the creativity of online you know interviews, which I was already doing. So it fit things that I was strong at, and of course, being a lawyer, I saw lots of opportunities of what the current content that existed at that time was just terrible. It wasn't designed for the online environment, so we created courses. Specifically for online viewing, not just you know putting a camera in the back of a 400-person seminar. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, A big distinction in in the shift in how we documented things. You you mentioned earlier, you know that you've had your fair share of I don't know if you said breakdowns. I don't know exact the exact language, but what what's what are some of the bigger ones that come to mind, and and how did you navigate them?
1: Yeah. So the, the biggest wall that I faced was in leadership. It's, and I'm sure you know, in your line of business, you can understand that. Yeah. In, and I'll just give you the theme. In a six-year period, I went through three COOs. Okay. Um, and it was two years, two years, and two years. And each COO failed for different reasons. The, the relationship failed but ultimately came back to the same fundamental issues for me. So the first one I ended up firing because the sales team was stealing from us and either he had to know or he just was not paying attention. Either way, it was under his watch and I knew it wouldn't work. The second one was somebody who I'm still close with today that we we essentially just lost trust with each other and he felt like Lawline was holding him back and he just left after we, we couldn't work well together. The third one, we never built trust from the beginning Mm. and we knew it and we just still kept it a go. And ultimately what I realized was the main component that was missing in these relationships, was well, number one was lack of confidence in myself and my decisions. Mm -hmm. But number two, and this was the important part, there was was no no clear focus. There's no clear accountability. There's no clear structure. We had no real planning and so I, there was nothing I was doing that was holding that person accountable. And so what ended up happening was, to be honest, we had two CEOs. And so we would both be competing to lead the companies. And after the, the third CEO, and every time one of them would leave, it was so painful because I, I had to restart everything. I had to, to rebuild it up. And it was like really like the, the lowest moments I've had because if I couldn't get through them, the company would, I thought... Disappear. Yeah. And it's what led to after the, the third CEO, we, I felt myself going through the same exact thing that I th- swore to myself I wouldn't do again. <laughs> That's when I hired my third coach, Mark Green, and we started creating structure and process into our company. And then for three years, we completely tra- changed the foundation. We didn't need another CEO until 2018 in, in July, somebody who's been with me for six years. Uh, we realized we were ready to rebuild the CEO concept, and now I'm, I'm what's considered the visionary in the company, and she is the integrator in the company to help integrate my ideas so I don't overwhelm the company with, I have a thousand ideas a day to make sure only the right ones get through.
0: The, the plight of the entrepreneur, the sheer amount of ideas. So you just mentioned the visionary and integrator. This is a reference to the entrepreneurial operating system?
1: correct. That when I read that book, I, <laughs> I read the book because I, I know that I have a mentor, uh, an entrepreneur mentor. I have many mentors who I was telling him all my issues. He's like, oh, my God, you just need an integrator. I'm like, "An inter what? And he goes, here's this book, Rocket Fuel. And the thing is I read the book in, in a day. And after I put the book down, here's how I felt. I felt like I'd been sick my entire life. I've gone to 18 different doctors, and nobody could diagnose me or, or what was wrong with me. And finally, I read this book, it was like going to a specialist and he said, nothing's wrong with you. You're just a visionary. Because I always thought the fact that I didn't like holding people accountable, the fact that I was all over the place, the fact that I, you know, I thought everything was always going to be easy, all these things I thought were my weaknesses and something was wrong with me. It just turns out, you know, I, I was not alone. Uh, I'm more of a typical visionary and a leader. So I was able to embrace that role a lot more, and I just needed the right integrator to help me through it. And so right away, we, I, I started trying, rebuilding the leadership structure in the company, which wasn't easy again to, to set this up.
0: I think that's such an amazing, an amazing moment, and that that's a great analogy. You know, being sick for years and having gone to a bunch of doctors, and then finally finding someone where it's like this little tweak, and there's there's a line that I really appreciate from another coach. Bob Dunham. And he said, uh, awareness creates choice. And, you know, I think about that with the conversations I have on the show, the books I read, even the work that I do with clients, you're learning all of these new things. And you said this earlier in the conversation, right? That teaching is a great way to learn and just learning in general, is such a powerful place to be. And all of a sudden you have a new language or framework and everything changes.
1: Yeah. It's, um, that's why I love books. I'm a, that's why I am obsessed with finding the right books in my, my life. It's the best, the best ROI you're going to get from anything you ever do. You know, and like I said, rocket fuel came from a book. And then I was able to, you know, I got coaches to help me implement it afterwards. But there's some, there's been a, several key books in my life that have completely changed who I am as a person and a professional that is unbelievable and that's why I, my my message into everybody is just I never not I, I always buy more books than I need and if I start a book and I don't finish it okay either the book could have been done in, in a paragraph or, <laughs> in a chapter, or it just wasn't the right book for me but I will I spend so much time and energy for trying to find the right books and so that's I agree with you I always search for those right c- concepts and that's why again this, in my book I think what I've done is I've distilled some of the best concepts that I've learned over the past 15 years into a very simple easy to use book that's not a very long book too so I'm hoping I'm hoping it will have an impact on other people
0: I, such a such an important part with books is the accessibility right you might have the most incredible concept or framework or you know, set of practices, but if it's heady, unattainable, unaccessible, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. I, I, as a Shah, I think I know what makes a good book. And for me, I think it's the combination of principles and stories. Yeah. And too much principles, you lost, you lose me.
0: What's something that you learned recently that blew your mind or surprised you?
1: Um, from a from a mindset strategy uh, let's
0: call it anything
1: let's see I've learned a lot to a lot of different events okay I'm gonna share something very cool So, <laughs> I saw this guy Jerry O'Brien speak he was the marketing person he now is a motivational speaker and a brand builder He helps you build, build a lot of brands and he worked for course and what he talked about was he was doing the marketing for course and they were trying to figure out how to sell more here. And so they put together this whole marketing strategy and they came up with this concept that was just brilliant and it really got you thinking on how you can change things in your life. And what they, they did all this research on customers and they came up with four things that customers like. And one of them, was cold they want cold cool refreshing beer right cold was important to them so what did they do they took every beer can has lining it has special lining in it do you know why a beer can has lining in it i don't because if you don't have the lining in it the beer will corrode the tin and it will it'll will open up you know make yeah. holes in it so yeah. you need a lining to protect the can so they all have linings and every single beer can has lining in it So what do they do? They decided, we're gonna make that lining blue. And we're gonna tell everybody, we have blue lining in our cans to keep it cool. They didn't tell everybody that everybody has linings in their cans. They just said, we have blue linings in our cans. The the guys who had to build it said, are you guys crazy? Absolutely not, we're not gonna do it. Finally, they convinced them to do it. They put it on there. That blue lining led to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue because they started telling people they have a blue lining that didn't do anything differently, zero, than any other lining can on can. And then, of course, they built on that. They, they started creating these things where you, um, on the cans, sort of like, remember those old gloves where you, you rub them and they're frosty freezies or whatever, and like when, when they get cold, it changes colors or whatever. Yeah, the cans so, change colors. So that they said, okay, let's do this on the can. So when it's cold enough, you'll you'll know. And that worked. And they started building on that. And so what I learned, to me, that what was super interesting is it's perception and it's doing research of what's important and that, is, that helps move things forward. And everybody was against it along the way, saying, no, no, no. And now all the operations people are like, okay, what's your next idea? What's your next idea? <laughs> and so I just always think about the blue lining that wasn't any different. It didn't make any difference to actual the coolness, but ended up selling hundreds of millions of dollars more in beer.
0: Yeah. It's the, it's the uh, new silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> um, David, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know you, you're up to a lot. You're working on a lot. We didn't even talk about um, the your entrepreneurial work with the organ- entrepreneurial organization. Yeah, that um, well, so well, maybe that's a whole nother conversation. Time. Yeah. <laughs> But what's a good way? I know you got this book coming out. I know you're you know you're always working on a. It sounds at least at least three things. Um, what's a great way for people to follow along, to check in on what you're up to, maybe to hear about when this book is actually available?
1: Yeah, so I would. I'm super open on LinkedIn. I'm actually putting a lot of content on LinkedIn and also Facebook. I got to get to Instagram. But one of the things I'm actually doing is creating more of a video based series of of content that's out there but I would say connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, we, it's the best way to stay in touch because you'll, you'll get my content and uh, you know, my name will be on here, so just go on LinkedIn and reach out to me.
0: Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show and, and thanks for sharing some of the things that you're learning.
1: Thank you and I, I really look forward to our next conversation. Uh, where I, I, I've learned a lot here too and I've really enjoyed uh, speaking to you. And hopefully the next conversation, uh, maybe we'll be in person together.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Founder's Mind. Check back weekly for full episodes. If you like what you're hearing, sign up for The Founder's Mind Plus for two to four bonus episodes each month, in addition to the full episodes and other dope benefits. Sign up for The Founder's Mind Plus through the episode notes or by going to thefoundersmind.com and clicking the plus link. To make sure you don't miss any awesome wisdom from guests and stay up to date on the most recent episodes of the show, be sure to visit thefoundersmind.com. You can also follow along on social at The Last but not least, thank you to Roy Matz for the music on this show and his dope editing skills that make The Founders Mind possible. Until next time, take care world going through all of this insanity and try to bring new ideas make them a reality illuminate in the thoughts make it a priority to implement what you learn what you get is what you be in a world full of noise hard to find that clarity to try to lead subtly never full of vanity and try to change something small or try to change humanity power forward through the dark founder's mind is what you see